And we are live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter per usual. What is up, guys? Nick Scrip on the P2W Fantasy Podcast with my co-host Kevin on our last show of this 2021 season that seemed to have flew by. Um, Kevin, Kevin, fast year. We're on week 17, championship week. What's your thoughts on, on this season overall? You think it flew by? You think it dragged on? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I think people are kind of complaining about COVID and injuries. And all, but that shit happens every year, right? Like, not the COVID thing. I mean, we've been doing it the two years. But injuries happen every year. Like, I think that we just like to say it every year. Like, oh, these injuries have been bad. But this is football. I think we deal with it. Uh, I had fun this year. I thought that this was one of my best years playing fantasy, but also content-wise. Uh, and I enjoyed it. I think that if you, if you're complaining, you're just always going to complain about something. I, I just, I, I, you know, I just stuck in it. Uh, I, I thought I did well in terms of my leagues. I thought we did well giving advice uh, for the most part. I did better than Mindy, as you can see from my board. Uh, and I thought it was a good year. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think so too. There's a lot to, you know, that people can complain about, like you said, but, uh, you kind of just had to grind through it as a fantasy football manager, as a content creator, whatever the case is. So uh, what I want to do today is go over some reflection topics. This is our last show together for the season. So we'll, we'll uh, reflect on some things. And then, of course, we'll look forward to week 17 here, uh, championship week for fantasy football. So we have a good show. Stay tuned with us. Uh, we'll get things rolling here in a second. all right all right so uh as i said before the the intro we are going to uh just reflect on some things from this season from the year and then of course looking at week 17 so First question I have to ask, Kevin. Uh, I I know of one. I know of one. But uh, how how do your semifinals go? And and how many finals are you playing in right now? Any any good stories from them? I'm in four championships, uh, nice. and so I, I made four out of twelve. Uh, again, just in leagues and wherever you're at. I won a championship game already with my college football side, a big one. Uh, but yeah, I had a pretty good year. I didn't really have any close calls. They, I, you know, I survived the Debo. And A.J. Brown stack in a league. I didn't think I was going to survive that uh, after the league. But, you know, I was able to survive it. Tyler Boyd came through with me on a big touchdown. Mark Andrews I have in a 14-team tight end premium league. And he's kind of been carrying me. And I have Mahomes and Big Ben. And Big Ben didn't do shit. But Mahomes helped me out. Deontay at the end. That Deontay touchdown at the end actually won me that game. So I was able to get a garbage touchdown from Deontay to kind of – I'm 11-2 and two in that league. I was going into it. I had the most points scored over 300. I thought I was going to lose the Debo and A.J. Brown. But I was able to come back. He didn't have a quarterback. He had Drew Locke going, so I knew I had a chance. Uh, and so I was able to kind of kind of pull through. So I, I could win four. I think I'm the underdog of three. In our league that we're in, I made the championship, but I, I think I'm a slight underdog. Unless Swift comes back, I, I think I have a shot there. But I have no more money on my waiver, so I just, I'm just i going to get stuck starting Reynolds. Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Do you, do you think Swift has, has a uh, chance to come back I, this week? I don't see him coming back because why the hell would he come back? Yeah. Like, why would you want to risk the injury? I mean, me selfishly hopes he comes back. Maybe he's a competitor, those type of things. But I think he's going to be out. And I think, uh, I think he had a good year. He just got hurt, you know, and that's just yeah. one of those things you got to deal with. 
So uh, if you are tuning in, like in your car at a, at a later time on iTunes or Spotify, Kevin's got on his backboard, he's got a CEH RB41, Swift RB15, uh, PPR ranks with uh, Mendy with a bunch of question marks because that was a little uh, battle him and one of our friends had uh, before the season started. Um, for me, I, I was in, so I was in seven semifinals and I did not survive uh, over yeah. half of them. So I'm in, I'm in three finals right now. One's a home league IDP dynasty league. It's a lot of fun. One's a, a keeper league. And then the other one is one my brother runs that has been going on for a couple of years. And uh, I just knocked out the back-to-back champ in it, but this is how it happened. So the final score, and I had to like recheck this matchup multiple times for a score or a stat correction. The final score was 157.26 to 157.12. The reason I won that matchup and I put a prayer circle on Twitter. It got all these likes because it actually worked. I needed 25 points exactly from the Miami Dolphins defense and special teams. And the crazy thing is, at the very end of that game, they were like all the way back within their own 20. And they made a huge play down the field. And uh, that play ended up bumping the 25 down to 23 fantasy points. And I was like shattered. Then Ian Book, my guy from Notre Dame, my guy throws another interception and then I win the game. So that was the wildest finish I've, I've ever had. So I, what, what I think I should do is buy a Ian book, uh saints Jersey, just because he helped me out. They'll be cheap. I mean, you shit, you might be able to get that thing for five bucks. Someone might give you that for free. I don't even know if they actually make the Ian book jerseys, but yeah, no, I think, Hey, I love those type of wins. It sucks when you're on the other end of those though. Like it, oh, it hurts when you, when you lose that way, or if you start someone bad, I know someone lost in the SFB, finals uh or go into the finals because he needed eight points from Devonte parker and De- oh. Don- Devonte parker put up a zero and that's why he didn't get in so th- those can be tough absolutely i needed 10 from Devonte parker in a uh like half charity half money league from twitter and uh i didn't get that so i, I was on the same boat but shout out to colin who uh was in that championship he was the back-to-back champion and he's uh he's awesome at fantasy i'm in a couple leagues with him um so moving on moving on so What's something you learned this year when it comes to playing fantasy football? We'll talk about some content and analysis and things like that, but what about strictly just playing? What's something that comes to mind? You know, uh, the biggest thing that I kind of look at this year, and I've kind of switched roles on this, is, you know, volume is king. I, I've pretty, especially for running backs. And one of the things is that, uh, that I'm going to be moved forward is I'm going anchor running back. So this year and a lot of my teams that I drafted, I did the anchor running back strategy where I drafted one stud running back, either in round one or two. And I just built around wide receivers. And that's kind of what I did in the league that we're in together. I got swift and I just built through digs, AJ Brown, Debo guys like that, that I, that I hit around. Uh, and I was able to get like Hunter Rimpro later. And so like one of the biggest things I, I, I'm going to harp on is anchor running back is the strategy you, you should use. Uh, and again, it comes with some risk, you know, Swift's out, you got to kind of play and do those type of things. Uh, but I, in, in reality, I think that anchor running back is kind of the new format. I think you should kind of play, especially in dynasty, but even in redraft, I think that build around wide receivers and look for volume and make sure you get high volume guys. And that's kind of how I look at it. And guys like Waddle, these other guys, these wide receivers, if they can get 150 targets, that's what you're looking for. So when you build around wide receivers, build around the target share, but also just make sure if he can get 140, 150 targets, that's where that's where I'm going to go. So guys like coming in, Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, these other guys, even though they're rookies, those are guys that I'm going to be looking at. Can, can they create separation? Can they get the targets? Can they get around 140 targets? Speaking of the targets, I think that's a good point, too. I think when, you know, we always look at ADP steals and guys being slept on, 
look for those guys that are down the draft board that have an easy lock at 100-plus targets. And, and we saw a lot of guys this season that were in that category, but they weren't being drafted. But yeah. uh, I like the strategy with the, uh, the anchor running back. I mean, this year in general, I think the way you built your roster – was very key to how you ended up doing in fantasy. I know some people had really strong ro- uh, rosters week one, but then come week six with all the complications, it was uh, it was something that didn't really work out in a lot of people's favors. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to learn some things uh, this season about how they shaped, traded for, picked up waivers, a lot of things there. Um, one thing I <clears throat> one thing I've done recently that I have regretted, uh, and this is just a random one. This isn't like a super deep point or anything, but I've started players for entertainment purposes that have burned me in, in some, some leagues. So, uh, this, this past week I started Donovan people's Jones because I wanted to watch him play on Saturday and make the game more exciting. He scored 1.5 fantasy points. And this is just one example. I had several guys on my bench that I could have played instead of him instead. And I, and I could have been patient about it. So, uh, that's a small thing that comes to mind because I've done it multiple times this season. I'm juggling, you know, a few guys. And then I end up picking the Thursday night player because I just want to watch that player play on Thursday night. And you can do that sometimes. And sometimes people hit the COVID or the, the injury list, but I think like plugging guys in for, you know, I just want to watch them play on Thursday night football or on a Saturday game. That's something that I've learned this season. And sometimes I think playing or plugging guys in with some emotion for whatever reason, instead of playing the the guys that are going to win you your matchup. I think that's another thing I've uh, thought about just uh, as far as, you know, you, we come to these decisions all the time of, you know, I, I really am juggling these four guys. And sometimes it comes down to the wrong decision for uh, who you end up starting. Yeah, no, I, I fall on that too. Like, Hey, it's a Monday night or it's a Thursday night. Let me get someone in here to root for. I think that's that's a fun thing to do. And then when it hits, it's fun, right? And you're excited. Yeah, and then when it doesn't hit, you're staring at sleeper and you're like, wait a minute, why do I have one point for, for this? And then you see your percentage go down to 60 or 40, whatever it is, and, and it hurts. I, I will say this too. The other thing that I did learn real quick is stop overdrafting trash running backs in round six through nine. Like, stop it. Like, don't reach on guys like Mike Davis and those type of guys. Go after wide receivers in those rounds. Like, if I'm going to be going there, if you're in a super flex league, to me, it's running back, quarterback, quarterback, and then it's just wide receivers for like six rounds. And then you go get a running back like Damian Harris, those guys that are going to get drafted a little late in rounds 10, 11, 12. That's kind of what I was meaning by the strategy, too. Like, don't overreach on Michael Carter, who did shit until like two weeks ago. And now you're looking at Cup and all these other wide receivers. Debo, I think I got in the eighth round or a ninth round of a draft. Like, those are the type of guys that you got to go try to grab. Has your has your opinion on handcuffs changed at all this season? No, I, I don't really have an opinion on either way. Like, I feel like if, if the value is there and you take a handcuff, okay. Uh, like, if you get to, like, the 14th or 15th round, they're still sitting there. Like, a guy like I was grabbing everywhere was Gus Edwards. And then Gus Edwards got hurt, right? So, you're yeah. like, there was my handcuff. There was the guy that got hurt there. So, I think with injuries, it can come with handcuffs, too. I think it just depends. I think if it value-wise, you feel like, hey, I can, I can grab this guy and I have him, that's okay. Uh, but that's only if he's going to get the volume. So, like, a guy like Madison was a great pick. But he only got what I think three weeks out of him, two or yeah. three weeks. Yeah, is that enough for you to justify where you're getting him into as far as his ADP goes? Because if you look around that range, I mean, obviously we're we're talking about guys that we didn't expect the ball out. But uh, you know, I saw people on on Twitter or you know other social media say like this is why 
this is why you need to draft handcuffs. And it'd be because some, somebody hit the COVID list or somebody was injured for a week. But like you said, a guy like Madison might've been a good play for three weeks, but you know, if you took him instead of, I don't know, Elijah Moore or something who was awesome for a while, like, was that, was that a better I mean, pick? Waddle too, right? Yeah. Like, oh, Waddle's Waddle, be yeah, around that, that time. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so preseason, we do a bunch of analyzing, you know, we do our rankings, we start talking about guys that we feel are going to ball out in this season. I know I used to have like a bunch of board sessions in my office, uh, just talking about guys that I thought were going to have a good season and, and some hit pretty well, some didn't. But um, when it comes to analyzing things uh, before the season starts, is there something that you know stands out to you that you'll be factoring into your analysis next season uh, just based off of something you learned this season? You know, I think I'll just keep it simple with this. The number one thing I do that I don't think a lot of people do, and I see analysts do this, and it, it drives me crazy because they're like, oh, I didn't know it would change. When there is a coaching scheme change at the offensive or defensive level, especially the offensive side, if you played the IDP, yeah, uh, is you got to understand their tendencies and what that scheme is going to change for the players that are currently on that roster. And I see that all the time, like, oh, well, he's going to break out. Well, he has a new coaching staff. Does he like him? Like, look at Visca. Visca is a perfect example. Oh, well, if they use Visca this way, well, do you know how they use Visca? Or do you know how Urban Meyer's system is going to be? A bevel in those eyes there. So, like, I think one of the number one things you have to do before you look at, like, your rankings or your tiers and all that, look and see how the coaching landscape goes. Look at tendencies of the coaching staff and that offensive system. See who excelled in that offense and then see if you can find those, those pieces that will work the same way. And I think that's the key in depth chart wise and, and, and volume and all that stuff. But I think the number one mistake people make is they don't look at the coaching staffs and then they don't, they don't understand like, Oh, well, scheme is going to change. This is what's going to happen. And it can happen too. Like if, uh, if a team changes their coaches staff and let's say a player did really well, uh, a good example is like James Robinson last year. There was a reason why James Robinson did so well. And then they changed their coaching staff and people still thought he would do the same as he did last year. And for whatever reason, that just didn't happen as we've seen. That's the kind of thing you have to take into account when you when you draft guys. And I don't think people do that. I think people just plug and play, oh, this guy's a performer. Look at Allen Robinson this year. I know he didn't have a coaching change, but there was a lot of question marks about his offseason, those type of things. So I think you just have to be very careful with, with what you're predicting from players. Try to make a guess. Obviously, we all do. But you also have to look at the schemes that they're playing in. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. And I, I love the LaVisca Chenault uh, example because uh, before the season started, a lot of people said, oh, you know, Urban Meyer, he really wanted Kadarius Tony, And, you know, LaVisca Chenault, he's a guy that can run the ball and do these jet sweeps and and line up wide. And he did like none of those things for most of the season. Um, so sometimes I, I think understanding, you know, the ability and how a player can be used versus how they will be used are two very different things at times. And uh, I think we we paint these fairy tales sometimes about what, what can happen without understanding um, what probably will happen. So I, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point there. Um, one thing that stood out to me and, you know, I I'm guilty of whiffing just like most people on guys like Cooper cup. Right. And, and, and I have historically liked Leonard Fournette, but going into the year, I thought it'd be more of a split between him and Rojo. But I think, I think looking at guys in the past for fantasy football specifically, who have done it before. And by done it, I mean, have had top 10, top 15 performances that step into these situations that are, are, are better now, uh, or potentially could be better, or maybe they have an even better opportunity. I think we got to start looking backwards sometimes 
uh, as we project forward. Like Cooper Cup, for example. Cooper Cup in 2019 was the wide receiver six. Was his situation going to change for the better this year? It, it was. It was. And uh, that's something that stands out to me. Like, this guy's done it before. I mean, it was an oddball year. I think he might have had a lot of touchdowns, but he's done it before. He's been a top six wide receiver in the past. His situation is better in 2021, but yeah. most of us didn't really project that and factor that in. And I know we can't always bank on the past, but I think the past can be signs for what can happen forward. Leonard Fournette in the past, when Leonard Fournette got all of the touches in the backfield, you look at uh, the same year, 2019, he was the RB6. And then in 2017, he was the RB9. When Leonard Fournette gets a shit ton of volume, he's really good for fantasy. And I know we we factored in Rojo this year, but I think if people said, hey, maybe if Leonard Fournette continues on with the same sort of touches that he had in the playoffs for the Buccaneers, maybe he can be that 2019, 2017 mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette. So uh, I guess the whole thing I'm getting after is like, you can't bank on the past, but I think the past can be, some indicators of what could happen if, if guys' situations change in the future. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's the other thing, too. Like, I always try to go into every year with a blank slate, right? Coaching, we talked about just flushing the toilet. Just, hey, flush it. Don't worry about it. It is what it is. You move on. Next play. That's what I always tell the guys. Like, hey, flush it. I think same thing with fantasy, too. Flush it. Hey, Mixon has looked like shit the last two years. I love Mixon. Joe Mixon was one of my guys. Everybody knows that. But I, I held with it. I said, you know what? If you can stay healthy, get the volume. Stay healthy, get the volume. And he's benefited me. And three of my four championship teams, I have Joe Mixon on the roster. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I just stay with it. And so, I think that's also the other thing you got to do. All right, so shifting in, shifting in, we're talking about analyzing players. We talked about playing fantasy football. You and I do a bunch of content creating. We have all season. Uh, there's tons of people out there that make some sort of content. And, um, you know, you, you can be a person that does a whole bunch of different things. You can be a person that only writes articles or only makes podcasts or makes short videos or makes tweet threads. So there's, when it comes to content creating, the the amount of people that do it is a lot. Um, and, and what people do is, is very different, but, uh, for you, like you and I do very different things, but we also do some of the similar things. We're on this podcast together, talking about the same stuff, but then you go do your Debbie stuff. And I do, I, I don't know, a bunch of short video things. Like we do a lot of different things, but we do some similar things. So what, what's something throughout this season you've learned as a content creator? You know, first and foremost, uh, you know, if you want to create content, you create content however the hell you want to create content. So, like, I've seen this, I've seen this a bunch of times. Like, oh, you should do the YouTube because that's where it's going. Bullshit. If you're a good writer, write. I mean, there's there's markets for good writing out there. Like, I, I'm not the best writer in the world. I enjoy it sometimes. But if you feel like you're good at it, you can find a space for yourself doing that. Like, most people can't do it behind the camera. I think you and me, we tend to do better at that. I'm better at that because I'm a teacher. I'm used to being in front of people. I have the kind of that aspect. So I've kind of gravitated to that to the camera work a little bit more. Uh, but always learning new stuff. And I, I think one other area too, when you create content, you can see what other people are doing. I don't mind going and seeing what people are doing. I, I don't, you know, you don't rip it from people, but you say, okay, what is working for them? How does it go? Reach out to people say, Hey, how do you, how did you do this in this video? What does it look like? And I think most people will pretty subjective back to it uh, and, and just do that. But also, also you have to find, you have to create content that provides value. 
Like, I don't need a four hour stream talking about, you know, you know, the best foods. If that's your thing, great. But that's not going to be value to like me as a fantasy person. So if you, if you want to do a food podcast, find a food people, right. To create for, right. Yeah. Find who you want to create for. I think that's the key thing. Do what you want with content, but know where to find that audience at. And if you can't find an audience, you're just going to be talking to nobody. So I think that's the key one, but just do what you want. Don't let people dictate how you create it. If you want to do freaking mock drafts every day, do it. If you want to do a show like this, do it. Like, I think there, there, there's a capability because in the end of the day, it's your time and you're, if you value your time, you, you value it and do it however you want. I like that a lot. And, and there's too much all the time of other people that are very average at what they do. Not, not to be a, a dick about it, but literally very average about what they do. Try to dictate what other people should be doing all the time, and I and I, and I like the fact that you you bring up like if you're good at something and you like to do it, then do it. Nobody says you have to do this type of content. And and um, if if something fits you, maybe it doesn't fit me or it doesn't fit Kevin. So uh, I, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. There's too much. There's too much. This is right. This is wrong out there. So uh, do do what you like and roll with it and and, and learn from it. Um, try to grow from it, but. Good points all around there. Um, I'm gonna say don't <clears throat> don't be afraid to don't be afraid to try different things. And you know, it's sometimes doing different pieces of content works out. Sometimes it doesn't. I know I've swung and missed a ton in the past with thinking it was a good idea and it wasn't. And I know personally, like when I first started podcasting, I was not great on the mic, and I was in my garage, and the 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 audio was shit and you know, I was a little bit nervous about my, my opinions being on a video and things like that, but don't be afraid to go out there and, and try different things. And if it works and, and you like it, then, then keep going. And if it doesn't, then, then scratch it off. My, my one bit of, uh, example here is, is TikTok, and, and, and I still plug the TikTok videos, but initially I thought it was stupid. I thought it was a stupid thing. I thought the app was dumb. I thought that, uh, you couldn't really get any sort of knowledge. It was all jokes and music and stuff. But now I don't just go on there to try to get views on TikTok, but I use the video editing abilities on there to put those videos on, on Twitter for like short waiver videos or my starts of the week and things like that. So uh, testing the waters on certain things, uh, a lot of people hesitate, but don't. And if you don't like something, then just scratch it and go to the next thing. That's something I personally learned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, have fun with it. See what, you know, you might think that you're good at one thing and then later on you find it. There's a big TikTok crowd out there. YouTube, you know, social media is a, a big play. Uh, if you feel like Twitter's your best form, do it. I, I, I don't, their content is content no matter where it's at. Twitter's content as well. Uh, and, and do it for a passion. But I'm going to tell you this, like, if you think you're going to make, create content and you're going to be a, a millionaire, that's just not happening. And also like, have you got to understand like what it means like guy especially if you have a family so like you have a you have a young girl you have a wife i have two young girls and a wife and you have to make sure that you you're honest with yourself about how much time you're putting in and what you're getting back from it uh and always try to build in a schedule that fits for your family like this is why we're doing it this morning you know like sometimes yeah. it just works this way and, and i think that's true and i think that goes with like create content how you want like i hear people say like Oh, if you have a stream at the same time as everybody, well, sometimes at, for people like us, that is the only time I have. And yeah. I have an hour and I tell my wife, hey, this hour, it's on the board and and don't let this consume you. I've heard tons of stories about like, uh, you know, your family, like missing you or your wife, like getting mad. Like that should never happen. You should say, hey, this is when I'm going to go. 
Let me know if you have issues with this. Be very communication with them and don't let this overtake your life because it's not the most important. Yeah, no one cares, you know, that much. Family is the most important thing. Um, and just have a very good solid base of why you're in this. I I uh, think you and I have been on the same page with like knowing that our families come first. You know, we have our job commitments as well. I think it just comes down to prioritizing your time. I mean, if 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 we if you have an hour slot, are you spending that hour? You know, I I don't know playing yeah. video games or something. Or are you gonna go do a podcast and make sure your wife's on the same page? Same same with me. Like I go to the gym all the time, but I go to the gym at five a.m. because I, I don't want to go to the gym while my daughter is awake because I'm away from her and then I'm gonna do a podcast. So uh, I think we've always been on the same page uh, same page as uh, prioritizing time. Um, I, I got one. I have one last piece of advice and uh, I'll let you go after if you have anything else uh, as far as advice goes. But one thing I want to say is not everything you put your efforts into is going to get the recognition that you think it might deserve. And and I think that's one of the most frustrating things about this space sometimes is that like I, I sent Kevin a tweet the other day. I tweeted something about being five and nine in, in fantasy and I made the fantasy <clears throat> championships and that's fantasy football for you. I got like 500 likes. I also went on a solo podcast the other day and got like 300 views or, or something on it. Like it was two night and day different things. And there's going to be times where you put a lot of effort in. And sometimes maybe you don't get the views, but but maybe some, but some of those views are, are important. Maybe that's somebody in the industry saw it and, and, and uh, um, has an opinion now about you as a content creator. Or, um, you know, sometimes you'll you'll put out an article and it'll get a thousand views or sometimes you'll put it out and it, it'll get 50. There's going to be ups and downs. I would just say you just got to be able to handle that. And it's frustrating. It's going to be frustrating at times, but always know that any piece of content can blow up or it can be a dud. So I I'd say try to be consistent with everything because you never know who is going to view something. I I've had people view my show that I, that were bigger people in the industry before. I've also had shows that are duds, but if I was, half-assing it on one and one of those big dogs saw it, then they'd be like, this guy's a chum, you know, but uh, that's another piece of advice I throw out there is again, it's going to be frustrating, but uh, oh, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. Don't think you're not gonna get frustrated. Like I'm plenty frustrated. Nick gets my text every once in a while. Like what the, and I, and I, yeah, and I'm like, why am I still doing this? Cause it's like, Hey, you know, I worked my ass off on a YouTube video one time, probably like four hours worth of prep. And I got like a hundred views, you know? And then like, I'll, I'll do a stupid like tweet about Dak Prescott and get 5,000 likes. And I'm like, wait, what is this? But you got to understand the forum. Like it just is what it is. That's what Twitter is. If you think Twitter is like going to be a place for well thought out thoughts, you're going to be disappointed because it's just not, that's just not what you're here, but you've got to use some of that to get people to view your shit. So it's one of those things where it's like, that's how you're going to have to create it. You have to have that and have some personality. Like it's good that you do the workout videos for everybody, especially me. Cause my fat ass doesn't do that. Uh, and, but it shows that you have personality, music taste, all that stuff. I don't mind being funny and having and jokes, but just know trolls will come. So like when I just joke around on Twitter, I use Twitter as an entertainment purposes. I'll send out little tweets about good stuff. You do more. I would say you do more analytical stuff than I do, but I try to gear it towards, Hey, if you like this, come view my content now. Yeah. Um, and, and know your content is worth something too. Like, uh, like I'm working with people now that are going to pay me. That's the key. Like, and some of that stuff's not going to be free for everybody to see. And you just have to live with it. Uh, and, and I wouldn't have it any other way either. Like, Hey, you like this? Well, then you're going to have to show me your work. And I, I think that's, that's incredible too. All right. All right. Well, uh, we're getting close to the half hour mark. 
we'll shift into week 17 championship week. Good stuff all around. Uh, before before I end things with that, um, really like uh, things that Kevin said. Um, I have a lot of opinions. Me and him have talked on on uh, like Clubhouse and like uh, podcasts before about content in 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 that that category. And we welcome other people. We've had other people talk about themselves on. We're always open to it. So I, I I'm not gonna speak for Kevin, but I, I'm sure we're on the same page. Reach out to us at any time. We are not the expert of the experts, but I'm sure we've learned a lot just over the last two years. So reach out to us and and shoot the shit about, you know, um, content or uh, questions, whatever, whatever. We're always open to that. Um, But uh, starts of the week, starts of the week. We have the the championship week. Maybe you're playing for third place. Maybe you are playing in the toilet bowl to avoid a punishment. So week 17 still has some importance to it if you are not in that championship but if you are got to make sure you're plugging in the right guys so starts of the week we'll start off with the quarterback position uh these are going to be going to be guys that we feel we are higher on than maybe their projections for the week we'll say uh kevin who is your quarterback of the week yeah you know what trey lance baby trey lance season Uh now you know i think that i've seen some very very hot takes out there about trey lance i i think that you got to Listen, you're going to have to kind of cool it on those. I see him like QB5, top five guy. I think he could be very good if he does fill in for Jimmy. I know that's not a for sure thing yet. I'm, I'm pretty sure he will. He's playing Houston, which I think is a pretty solid matchup. Houston's been playing better these last few weeks. But I do think his rushing upside will give you that Konami stuff. And remember, he doesn't have to necessarily have a great game to have a great fantasy game. We've seen that all year with Jalen Hurts. So I think if he has two or three rush, let's say he gets two rushing touchdowns, that's a ceiling there. Uh, he throws for one. You're talking about a QB1 performance. And depending on if you're streaming or not and where you're at, he's not a bad play. Uh, and he's not a bad play in terms of this week and for the fantasy championship, but it's a risky play. But I like guys that take a risk here with, with Trey. I think I think what he can do was very evident in in week four because he played Seattle and he only had nine completions and seven carries, but that resulted in twenty point three eight fantasy points. So I mean, the guy can do a lot with his legs. Obviously, um, I I mean, would you say he's got a plus arm? As far yeah. As, oh yeah. yeah. No, he, he, he's got a good arm and uh, he was my QB two coming into the season. I still really like him. I think he fit well. I think Shanahan has, has screwed him, but he's got a live arm. He's, he's going to be, they're going to probably use him in different ways in terms of the running attack RPOs. You're going to see that. So he's got upside. I, uh, I, I threw this uh, poll on Twitter and I have to ask you, it's, it, it hits home and some people were saying Lance, but would you would you start this week, Dak Prescott or, or Trey Lance? Okay, uh, I would start Dak Prescott. All right, hey people, people are going back and forth. I'm starting Dak, but people are going back and forth about it. But he does have the shot at being a QB one this week. I mean, I think he's got a real good shot of being inside that top ten. He could be, yeah. Um, my my guy for the start of the week, uh. Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, who has not been the greatest the last few weeks. He's cooled off a little bit, but he's the QB nine without ever being talked about as a top 10 QB. Uh, He's had 11 multi-touchdown games this season with four of them being three touchdown games, Uh, six games above 300 passing yards, seven games above 20 fantasy points. The reason I'm listing all these things off is because there, there is upside to Kirk Cousins without people actually saying there's upside to Kirk Cousins. Um, Obviously uh, Adam Thielen, probably not being in the mix takes away something, 
But we know Justin Jefferson's a stud. Uh, Osborne has some nice games. Conklin can pop up every now and then. Uh, Packers are a top five matchup, fantasy matchup for QBs as well. And knowing that he's going to have to keep up with Aaron Rodgers in this one, I like Kirk Cousins just because we've seen plenty of good fantasy weeks this season. I think the opportunity is there. And I don't think it's going to be a game where they can depend on Dalvin Cook to win them the game if he does come back and play. No, I think you're looking at a high upside pick here with this. And, and I want to be clear. I think both these guys, we're trying to pick guys that are outside the top three, like guys that we say, hey, you know, these are some starts that you can do definitely if you have that. But Kirk Cousins is always solid. You know, he's he's going to be solid there. He's going to throw. He, he's going to have to throw a lot, especially if Cook – Cook, I think he's coming off. I don't understand. Do you understand the COVID rules anymore? I don't understand COVID rules. No, no, no. Like, I, for myself, <laughs> I, I've, I've personally been on the COVID list. So I'm my 10 days was going to be, I think, Saturday or something. Now yeah. the CDC says it's five days for people. So my my days are over. So now I, I think I'm a free man. But maybe I shouldn't be because I can spread it. Maybe I can't yeah. spread it. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. But if he does, I mean, you're going to look at for a high volume play there. I think that he's going to have, you know, 25 to 30 attempts. You're looking at two touchdowns. You'd be happy with that. I think so as well. And he's going to have to keep up. He's going to have to keep up. Um, running back position, start of the week. So I'm going to go with uh, your boy, David Monty, you know, Montgomery. I think, you know what, Monty's been getting some shit lately, and I don't really quite understand it. I know he's a low-level running back, too, right now on the, on the season. Uh, but you know what, against Seattle, that dude had nine targets and seven catches. And so when you're looking at the targets that he's gotten, and if you look at the last four games, nine, seven, six, and nine targets. That's good. I know I know our boy, you know, Big Dick Nick started, but if, if Fields comes back in those other areas there, you still saw the targets go up there with Fields. And then you're looking at, you know, a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, two touchdowns the last four games, which not amazing, but he's, he's still getting the volume. He's had 20 attempts and almost 20 attempts in those three games. He's getting the targets. I think you start him and you're comfortable starting him. I, the reason why I added him is I had a couple of people ask me, like, who would you start, Rashad Penny or David Mont Montgomery? I still think Monty has a, has a good, a high upside there, especially with the targets. And I'm with you because for some reason I've seen him multiple places, multiple places. So I'm not adding anybody. I don't, I don't think about anybody in life enough to at one person. I promise. Um, but I've seen plenty of people say that, you know, that David Montgomery is an average running back that gets touches like things like that. But I think, you know, and they'll throw out all these stats. Well, like, he has a low this and a low that, and, and this random stat that nobody looks at ever, he is low in this. But when what I don't understand, maybe maybe there's a bigger topic here. What I don't understand is for the running back position, you and I are on the same page. What matters? Touches, right? Touches. Yes. This is a guy that gets a lot of touches. This is a guy we've seen plenty of times score above 20 fantasy points. He missed plenty of games this season, but just on the games he's played, he's, he's had – uh, three games above 22 fantasy points. He just came off a nice week. He's playing a top 10 fantasy matchup for the running back position against the Giants yeah. again this week. So I think people dig too much into what they think his, like him, him specifically and some other guys, what they think his athletic profile and his like Madden rating is or something like that. Instead of looking at what does this guy do for fantasy? Touches. Just look at the touches, bro. That's, that, I mean, it's very simple. It, we make this too hard. Are they getting the touches? Are they getting the volume? Yeah, then you plug and play. Because a guy like Monty, you don't have to worry about. Do you have to worry about Penny? 
Absolutely. Like, look at who got the touches in that game last week. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, like I am much inclined just to follow the volume and follow the touches. That's it's a very simple game. We make it way too hard. I think we overcomplicate all yeah. these random stats all the time instead of just fantasy points and touches. You literally for the running back position can look at those two things and and, and be happy about your guy. Um, my guy, I don't never been a fan of still not really a big fan, to be honest. And this is a flex play because this shouldn't be your running back one or your running back two. This is a flex play. But I'm going to go Devin Singletary just because the last three games in a row now, 14.9, 16.6, 18.8. He's had eight games this season under 50% of the snaps. The last three weeks, for whatever reason, two of them were uh, 82% and 93%. So it's not like he's battling Zach Moss or Matt Breida right now. It's 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 not happening. Uh, a few good signs, 22 carries in week 15. He also had five catches in week 16. So some more good signs. Yeah. They play Atlanta this week. Atlanta gives up the ninth most points per game to running backs. I don't think Atlanta is going to give Buffalo a great game. Personally, I, I just don't. So knowing that he's getting a lot of touches, he's on the field a shit ton. Um, he can catch the ball. He can have a game where he gets 20 carries potentially. Uh, I, I like Devin Singletary as a flex play this week. Oh, Devin. Me and Devin have had a, a long, illustrious. I, I've uh, never liked Devin Singletary. I've never life. liked Devin Singletary. I've liked Devin Singletary. I'll be honest with everybody out there. Like, I liked him coming out of FAU. I thought he was a really a solid sleeper running back. The biggest problem with Devin that I've always had is that he never caught passes, right? They never looked for him. So he never had that PPR upside. And so it always struggled because they always looked it down. I think. I think that we've seen that and we've seen him kind of improve that, like you mentioned with his targets that he's gotten in there. If he gets those targets, then he's fine as a kind of a plug-in guy, but it's always that risk, right? Against Tampa Bay, he had seven targets and he flips against Carolina has one. And you're like, wait, where did it happen? So I think it is a risk. I think there is that, but he has been solid and shit with the running back situation, the way it goes, I wouldn't mind plugging in Devin. If, if you have to have him for a flex, uh, it, it's not a terrible call. I do think Atlanta it bodes well, I think for game script. Uh, so I don't hate that call. I just, Devin and me, we've, we're in a rocky relationship because he's sucking me back in again. They're going to draft a running back, but he's going to go yeah. somewhere. Or something's going to happen where he's going to be relevant for the next few years and people aren't going to like it, but he's going to be relevant. Speaking of the running back position, before we, we move on to the wide receiver position, and I'm putting you on the spot here. And if you, if you want to think about it, that's fine. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on playing guys that were waiver wire pickups like they're Ogumbawale and Rex Burkhead. Do you have faith in these guys? Because for me, I've seen some bold takes this week saying that these guys are, are must plays. Um, I saw Dare was a, a 100% needs to be picked up everywhere. I, I've seen some bold takes, and I know that some teams are desperate for a running back. So maybe, maybe if that's the case, it is. But neither guy has a good matchup for fantasy, for one. And for two, I don't think either guy is like, that talented, in all honesty. I know Rex Burkhead just had this awesome game last week, but uh, do you have do you have faith in either one of those guys this week? I so I we talked about this the other day. I would have Dare. I would I'd have more faith in just because I think that volume with Robinson being hurt and with hey they're gonna lean on him a little bit. And then Burkhead is like a that's a desperate play for me. If you absolutely need it, fine. But you you try to project points forward, not back. And I think that's what I always try to do, especially with these waiver wire pickups. Like, hey, what could he go for moving forward? The matchup's not amazing against San Francisco. I do think that they can maybe bottle him up a little bit. I would I would have more faith with Dare based on volume. 
right? Like I think that he's going to get the volume. So when we think of like the volumes coming, it's coming there. So that's where I would kind of align myself with. I I also wonder, and I'm I'm not trying to big brain this at all because I'm, I'm not that guy, but uh, I wonder, you know, we, we always talk about the Patriots and they scheme things up and uh, you know, Bill Belichick schemes up, you know, how to take certain guys out. When I, when I look at them playing the, the Jaguars and I look at the quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's thrown two touchdowns since the bye, but he's thrown four, five, six interceptions. I almost wonder if like they're fine not stacking the box on their and like making them throw so that they turn over the ball. I I wonder if that's any part of the game plan. Like make make Lawrence beat us. Like we're not going to game plan around stopping their you know from from the ground game or something. It could be. I mean, it could be there, but like, if you're looking at it from now, I'm not a defensive coordinator and I'm not Bill Belichick. That's what I'm saying. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, somebody's going to listen to this be like, this guy's a freaking idiot. So what I would say is like, if I'm looking at that perspective, who would I want to beat me? Trevor Lawrence or dare? I I can't ever say his last name. Like, so maybe he'll just game plan for, Hey, we'll stop Trevor Lawrence. We'll do it there. And we'll just, we should be able to, with our forefront and with our linebackers and everything there, we should be able to stop this running back. And so that would, I think that would help me more if I was a dare owner because maybe that he can score that touchdown. He breaks when he does those things. But I yeah. do think that matchup scares me. But I would rather, if I'm looking at it from a volume perspective, I will go with dare. But again, I'm not happy with either one of those options this week. If you have to start those guys, that's a that's a desperate play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But some guys are in that desperation yeah. mode right now, um, for sure. Uh, wide receiver position, Who is who is your pick for start of the week for you? You know, I got my boy Deontay Johnson, uh, and I actually almost went with your guy, to be honest with you, uh, but he's he, I, I can't trust his quarterback. But, yeah, Deontay is – you know what? He's a top guy. He's a top wide receiver uh, in, the, in the league right now. I think that they have a pretty good matchup with Cleveland. I don't – again, COVID rules wherever it is. Cleveland's been decimated. They play on Monday night. I have Deontay going in all of my leagues that I have Deontay. His targets are there. I mean, it's ridiculous what he's gotten. Weeks 10 through – 14. He had 10 or more targets with 14 being the most. He just had nine against KC. I know that offense hasn't looked amazing. And I know that big Ben is terrible and he's going to be out of there soon. I still think Deontay is a must start and just, he's going to get the targets guys. Like he's going to get there. And if he can score a touchdown and he's going to get like 10 catches or at least 10 targets, seven catches, I'm happy with that as, as a wide receiver too this week. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's two things that you can bank on it. It's that in this matchup, Pittsburgh's, probably going to have to throw the ball a lot. I I don't think Najee, I like Najee. I don't think Najee's going to run all over uh, the Browns. I, I don't know the status of who's in, who's out. I know that they got a decent front four and um, their defense is decent. But, you know, you look at Deontay Johnson, a lot of people said he's cooled down lately, but the cool down has been 15 fantasy points. I mean, he's had that two out of the last three games, but uh, we saw the upside 30.5 versus Baltimore. He's had plenty of games above 20 fantasy points. And if you bank on anybody in the league to get 10 targets in a game for three weeks in a row, I think three people come to mind and that's the leaders. I think it's Cooper cup, Devonte Adams, Deontay Johnson. For me, it's almost guaranteed targets on a weekly basis. It's gonna be so nice when he gets a real quarterback, right? Like it's gonna be so great when he gets a quarterback. Have you seen the rankings? Uh, like Cooper Cup, how he's ninety-one more points than Devonte Adams. That is in PPR for He's that almost four hundred points in PPR for. He's gonna blast by that. You know, I'm playing Cooper Cup in three leagues this week. 
So if he could just have a down week this week, that would be this very would good. Be I would week. appreciate that, Cooper. Yes, I'm playing Cooper and Devontae Adams and two of them. So let's just let's 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 just cool at you two. Cooper Cup, uh, I'm playing him in uh Anthony's dynasty league against my my cousin. He's got a really good team. He's got Cooper Cup. Is is Cooper Cup going to be the first ADP wise next season? Will he be the first uh, wide receiver drafted across the board, you think? I think so. I think he will be. Now, will I take him that high? Probably not. And that's probably for a conversation for another day. But I do think that he's going to be the first wide receiver taken. Only makes sense. But he, the 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 separation between him and the wide receiver Crazy. two is insane, insane. So my guy, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Devonta Smith and quarterback play. That that is a huge piece of it. I I, I do like the Washington matchup. They're really good for. Uh, wide receivers in fantasy, third most points per game, two wide receivers. Last game, man, that toe drag, that touchdown, nasty, nasty. Yes. But uh, he had a good game, five for 80, at seven targets, touchdown, 19 fantasy points. And it seemed wild that he scored 19 fantasy points because he's had so many down weeks. But he's had five games this season with 19 or more fantasy points. So he's had plenty of games. It goes to your point, Kevin, the quarterback play in when it comes to the quarterback play, I'm focusing in on the targets because he's had games with nine targets, 10 targets. He's also had games with three targets and four targets. So um, seeing there's no Miles Sanders, they're going to have some sort of rotation of Jordan Howard and Boston Scott, maybe Gainwell. I'm hoping that this can be another good game for Devonta Smith where he sees seven, eight targets because the three, four target games, have been extremely frustrating. But I'm just banking on a good matchup for wide receivers and uh, him just having some momentum uh, into this game. Yeah, I like Devonta, man. I just think that he struggles a little bit, right? With I think he creates separation in there, but that offense, it hurts him. I think it hurts him, especially with the RPOs, with hurts kind of looking the ball. I, I, it hurts him, like that pun. I like that. That was a dad joke. All right, so it does it does hurt him there. I think I think it, if Dallas Goddard is the leading target getter on this team, I think that's going to hurt Devonta's ceiling. And that's something to look for going forward. Uh, do you think they bring Hurts back? Yes. Okay. Do, do you? Oh, I hope so, as a Cowboys fan. I hope they bring him back. I say that now they're going to whoop our ass in the first round of the playoffs. But I will say, like, I think that he's very limited as a quarterback. I think if they made it to the playoffs, that's fine, and it'll bring him back. But I think this hurts Devonta going forward in Dynasty, right? Like, his value? I, I, think, I think the fact that the offense doesn't plan on giving him volume every single game, maybe that's a Jalen Hurts thing. Maybe that's a coordinator thing. I don't, I don't know how it works, but... I don't get his targets weekly because he looked like he was getting a shit ton to begin the season with. And then he went all these weeks with like barely getting looked at. And I don't, I don't know who that's on. Yeah. It could be a combination of both. I mean, it could be a combination of like hurts just hey, not there and understanding it. The targets aren't there. The, uh, the offensive system doesn't work, but if you draft a guy in the first round, you would expect him to get more targets and volume than he's gotten this year. All right. For the, uh, for the tight end position, who do you got this week? This is tough, man. This is tough because we all want to say George Kittle and Mark Andrews, uh, but it's it's tough to have somebody outside of uh, the, the top guys. Well, I kind of did. I cheated. I went Dalton Schultz, and just because I think uh, – that, That's not the same. I mean, he, he was good last week, though, for sure. 
He was good. I, I would just say, like, I think Dalton has been great just because of when getting all those guys that are healthy, it helps him because it opens up that offense. And we've seen the targets, right? Uh, and with where he's going against the Cardinals defense, which I think is an okay matchup, it's not an amazing matchup, but it's not a bad matchup. And with what he's been able to do the last few weeks, he's had eight, nine targets, and he's been super efficient. Eight for eight catches targets eight for nine catches targets and in, in ppr formats he's been a top three guy so i like schultz it's to me though you want him to score a touchdown and when he did struggle during the middle of that year these guys have been hurt so with cooper and these other guys that were out and Gallup especially but once those weapons are on the field it opens up everything for that offense and it helps schultz so now with them all being healthy them going for the number one seed in the playoffs i think arizona's a i think it's a good matchup for him i think he can score what I so I had a uh, Michael Gallup as my start of the week last week, um, in a video, and that was a whiff. I thought it was a good opportunity, and and the opportunity went to Dalton Schultz with the uh, the nine targets in that game. He's had uh, eight and nine targets the last two games. Um, we talked about touches for the running back position, for the tight end position, it's targets. I mean, you can you can say that you know a, a guy who scores a lot of touchdowns is a is a good guy to have on your team for the tight end position. I, I think it's targets, and he's getting those targets right now, and he's playing really well. I think he's uh, I think he's going to be a big piece of this game because it's going to be a tough game for the Cowboys. And um, seeing that he's getting that amount of targets the last two weeks, Dak's going to be looking for him again. I know he's got CD and he's got Amari Cooper, but those are the uh, those are the focuses uh, of uh, secondary. So. Um, I do like Dalton Schultz. Um, do you, so, so will, will we ever see, uh, is, is what's up with Blake Jarwin? Is he, is he just not playing anymore? Is he done? Is he injured? What, I think up? he's okay. I think he's okay, but I think they've turned Blake Jarwin in because of that injury into more of a, a blocking back relative tight end to like, and, and they don't really run 12 personnel anymore and they're going to open up the field. So he doesn't really get a lot of spots out there for scheme wise. Like he's not going to be on the field very much. Dalton Schultz has just earned it two years in a row yeah. now. He just earned it. He yeah. just earned it. Simple as that. He got that. Wally pipped. Jarwin got Wally pipped. Everybody thought this was going to be Jarwin. He got hurt. And, and, and can we stop with a victory? Okay. So we saw some victory laps. I've been seeing some victory laps. Like, I told you Schultz was that man. Listen, mother. Listen. You did not know Jarwin was going to get hurt. Like, you were just saying stuff. And now when Jarwin got hurt, then we see, oh, yeah, Schultz, of course. Like, chill, please, on the victory laps. Like, I am. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm old. I'm getting cranky. They've been happening a lot. They've been happening they a lot, especially with injuries all the time. That's the, that's the ones I I, I hate. If, if if you factored in something when everybody was healthy, fine, fine. Like I I had somebody, I saw something along the lines of, uh, I swear, knowing James Robinson wasn't going to finish the season, well, something like that, and he yeah. got hurt. Like don't don't victory lap something stupid like that. Um, so yeah. so my tight end is not a huge upside guy. Uh, it's a safe floor, in, in my opinion, based off of what's happened the last couple of weeks. So, if we look at Week 16 for the tight end position, what what does uh, what does Noah Fant, Mike Isecki, Rob Gronkowski, George Kittle, Dallas Goddard, Hunter Henry, what do they all have in common? You think? Um, all those guys? Yeah. Did you? Are they all white? Did you just say all white guys right there? No, no, no. All all, all tight oh. ends. All oh, tight ends. Oh. They all scored. My bad. They all scored six or less fantasy points Ugh, last God. week. So I'm looking for a safe play. My safe play here is Gerald Everett. And this is why. This is why. Since the buy in seven games, five of those seven games, he's had 10 plus fantasy points. Three of those seven games have been 14 plus fantasy points. 
Last game, 16.8. Three touchdowns in his last five games. So to me, this is a guy almost weekly hitting somewhere between 10 and 14 fantasy points. And seeing the amount of tight ends that absolutely burn you lately, I, I'm fine with the safe play. I, I'd rather have a safe tight end play if I don't have one of the best guys and then take my shots on high upside wide receivers. That's just kind of how I want to see it because we see all these tight ends all the time score like four or five points. So I, I like Gerald Everett if you need a safe, safe floor guy for the week. And he's played well, you know what I mean? Like, he has played really well, and I like what he's been able to do, especially in that terrible offense. Uh, yeah, I, safe floor guys are, are big. I would stay the F away from Hunter Henry this week. I, I don't, like, I had him going in two leagues last week that I lost, and he gave Burner. me nothing. He gave me nothing. And so, like, I just, man, and can we talk about Jonu John Smith? You're hurting my soul, Jonu. Like, hurting my soul. He's been awful this year, dude. I, uh, he's a guy I was not super high on, but I, I was, it, it's weird because you can like be out on the guy, but still be surprised that he's not used because that's how I feel. I was not in on Johnny Smith, but the fact that he's like just a guy on the field sometimes is baffling at, at times there, but, uh, it's, it, it's tough sliding for the, uh, the tight end position. I, I almost went and, and was going to be a homer and say, uh, like Cole Komet or something, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, he gets some targets. He gets some targets. But uh, starts of the week, these are guys that we feel could uh, boom their projections. Uh, we'll have to recap this at some point on Twitter. Um, Kevin, wrapping the show up here, championship week, anything you want to uh, to close on here? Anything coming up? Uh, whatever you want to do to close the show here. You know, I just wanted to say a Happy New Year to everybody out there. We appreciate you guys tuning in and, and listening to us this this year. We I hope we helped you in your leagues and and that's what we really do it for. But also, you know, it's good to talk with friends and talk about some sports. But I hope you guys have a happy new year. Whatever New Year's resolutions you do, I hope you go through with it. Get into the gym, get a little exercise in. Uh, you know, do whatever you need to do. And and seriously, if anybody's ever listening out there and you want to create content please let us know. I mean, we don't have all the answers, but I think we've done a pretty good job of, of, of creating a niche and creating a, a community for ourselves. Uh, and if you ever do want to create content, reach out to us and we have no problem helping you out, doing the best we can with it, what the avenue is and just follow your passion. It's never too late. It's never too late to create stuff and, and to do something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we did a lot of, uh, if you were, you are tuning in now, we did a lot of, uh, reflecting on content at the beginning of the episode. So this will be out on iTunes and, uh, Spotify, and you can listen to that, uh, at a later time, but thank you guys for tuning in all season, man. This was a good show on a weekly basis. Every Wednesday, uh, we talked about a lot of good things this season. Um, so if we helped you out in any way, um, we're, we're happy about that. I think that's the reason we both do this. Uh, we don't do it to, uh, to put food on the table or uh, buy diapers or uh, any of those things. I, I think we do it just for the love of uh, fantasy football here. So yes. uh, good luck this week in your championships. Uh, good luck with your home teams as they close the season out. And uh, have a good rest of your day, guys. I'm thinking it's nighttime. It's only like 11 a.m. here. So, all right.